I think the last time we spoke was the Pokemon trivia, right? I think <laughs> I think that was the last thing. Yeah, still recovering. Uh, and, and yeah, how how what did you think of that that experience? It was awesome, dude. I was super impressed by by what you put together. That was really really fun. Like it's so creative. Um, it was really good, and I. It's like always a struggle whenever I do something like that and I succeed at it. The amount of knowledge that I have on a certain topic that is not mm. necessarily useful to me that I'm like, I feel like I should be reevaluating my life that I could win anything like this. Mm -hmm. But it was awesome. I mean, I remember a comment you made that you were talking, you were like, oh, I, I read Pokedex entries on stream was it on stream or something or you just like had read like a lot of Pokedex entries. Yeah, I had uh, done it on stream because I try to do the um the original Pokedex voice as often as I can. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, fun. Yeah. Yeah, that, uh, Charmander, you know, that, that exactly. voice. The, yeah, yeah, gotcha, yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, how long did it take you to make? I think I might have asked you that, but I, I, it has to have um, been hard. That was a COVID project, so yeah. it was, so there's about nine different separate, like, uh, what do you call it? What do you call it? Installments. But the first one, I don't know, like, I, I feel during those times, I would just, like, spend all night working on something for fun. Because I was like, well, what else am what I going to do? do? Yeah. Exactly, right? <laughs> so, I have no estimate on how long it took. But probably, like, a night or two to, like, really solidify how it worked. For those of you listening, the Pokemon trivia, uh, long story short, is, like, people get moves. All the moves are different things. There's a move for every move in the games. And then they can use the moves during the rounds where they answer questions and get points and things like that. Uh, so, yeah, it just kind of stemmed from boredom. Uh, it's we A friend of mine started Mario trivia, and then I did my own Mario trivia. And I was like, I kind of want to make like an expansive like version of this. So I just took everything I loved about Pokemon and uh, engineered it into the trivia format. But, yeah. No, it's yeah, awesome. It's, been, it's a it's a. Cool of you to create something during the pandemic that other people can also enjoy. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, what have What have you been up to lately? And if you have spare time, not a ton of spare time. Um, sure. I mean, listen, I'll be honest. Like as we speak, I am just thinking about Sifu a lot. Um, okay. Really enjoying playing that game. Um, but yeah, I mean, I run like Sifu. What Sifu? is Sifu? Oh, uh, the video game. Uh, it's from Slow Clap. It's actually a French studio who made a Chinese game, which has been controversial. Uh, but oh, someone mentioned this the other day. Yes. Me. Oh, okay. Is this but, like a beat-em-up? Well, yeah, it's super interesting. It's, mm. I mean, yeah, I guess, but it's very, um, like, it's it's Hitline Miami. -esque. Sorry, Hotline Miami. I said Hitline Miami. Hotline Miami-esque, mm. because I combined it in my brain with Hitman, um, mm. in a way that you will have to replay levels um to try to perfect them to try not to I die see. at all in the levels and the the end goal i guess is probably i'm gonna try and get through the whole game without dying at all and it's hard so that's definitely a challenge so it's like learning where weapons are and who like what enemy is in what area and how you need to prioritize attacking people and and what skills mm. you need to buy and where um i'm very very into it which you know i'm glad it's like one of those games i was very excited about and so whenever i am as hyped about something that i was excited about it's a good day it's a good day nice. so really enjoying it so that's what i'm doing with all my spare time right now but um i don't know i have like way too many podcasts uh i think mm. i'm doing four podcasts at this point and obviously my day job at uh sony santa monica studio so that takes me mm. up to 6 p.m um and then sure. just do a whole bunch of stuff afterwards it's the the existence of any kind of content creator these days is wearing a million hats, I think. Sure, sure. We all do. Um, now, I guess I'm curious kind of like about your sort of journey online, because I know you were you were at IGN, you were at Rooster Teeth in, along the way. But let's say pre before, quote unquote, you were known or whatever. Um, what were your sort of aspirations back then? Mm, my whole life, I loved two things, which is video games and writing. Okay. Um, definitely credit Pokemon for getting me into video games um, and just sure. the N64 in general when I was, I don't know, six or seven. But I was also mm. like writing books from the minute I could write. Um, I was one of those kids who really enjoyed doing homework, <laughs> liked doing mm. assignments. So okay. it was always those two things. 
And uh, it didn't really occur to me that it was possible for me to marry them as a career until I was working this job that I hated in a call center right after high school. Um, mm. And I was trying to basically write books at that point in time for the most part. I did already have a blog where I did some game review stuff just for fun, but that wasn't anything sure. I was pursuing. And I saw mm. a job listing for a uh, gaming news writer as a volunteer. And I was mm. like, oh my God, I could totally do this. So I basically threw everything that I could at it um, and then went to university to study uh, journalism and entertainment writing, a bachelor of mass communication with the intention of being like, cool, I'm going to marry these two things together and that's what I'm going to do. So I started out in Australia writing for magazines and, and really small websites and then slowly worked my way up. And then when I was like, okay, if I, if I really want to do this and I want to make the games industry my whole life, I need to move to the U.S., um, mm. so I focused on trying to figure out how to get a job at either IGN or GameSpot, which is obviously really hard to do when you're international because you have to get a visa and to get sure. a visa, you have to have an insane resume. So at mm -hmm. that point I was like, okay, I recognize it to be able to do this and to be as employable as possible. I need to work on camera. Um, I also took a photography class to learn how to do photojournalism properly. Um, and I volunteered on community radio so i was working mm. on national radio in australia and national tv and doing all this stuff to just like get to the u.s to be in the games industry basically sure. um at the same time i ended up transferring the last six months of my degree to california um so that i could at least like stop meeting people and going to events and stuff while i was still freelance mm. writing so okay. did all that at the same time Succeeded in getting a job at IGN. Took like six months for them to get me my visa because it's so complicated. Um, mm -hmm. And then once I was there, uh, I was hired as a writer. So I was the uh, toys and culture editor, um, mm. which overlapped really well with just a lot of other stuff that I was interested in, which is like I did a lot of toy coverage and I've always had a big collection of toys. Um, I did cosplay coverage and I used to cosplay and mm. I did some science stuff and I also used to write uh, science news. So I was doing... Um, science writing as well as all the gaming stuff around that sure and then it kind of got to a point where i'd been at ign for several years and um was like wow i did this this is this thing that i really wanted to do but i was writing a lot of fiction in my spare time regardless and um eventually it was ultimately just that like i stopped feeling like i had anything to learn at ign like it was awesome there mm. were a lot of great things about working there and my favorite thing about working there was always talking to game devs and going to game studios and making like mini documentaries yeah so I ended up being like, okay, clearly nobody stays in games media forever. Uh, mm. Clearly the next goal for me is that I want to write a video game. So I went to mm. Rooster Teeth um, and I was pretty blatant with them about it effectively as a gateway to get more creative writing experience because Rooster Teeth obviously does animation and they do video games and they do movies and they do like comedy sketch shows and all that stuff that I did get to write on a little bit um, so that I built up more of that like as a professional portfolio uh, where previously it was something that I was only doing as a hobby. Um, mm -hmm. and then started doing game jams in my spare time, uh, did some volunteer writing for indie studios, even sometimes just people that I found on Kickstarter. Um, like mm. all of that was basically the same way that I entered the games media side was what I did with the games writing side. Okay. And then kind of lucked out in that, uh, I knew that if I wanted to work in AAA, which I didn't really care about, I was happy to start really wherever that I would mm. need to, um, get a junior writer position which feels so weird when you've been writing for like seven years professionally already but that is mm -hmm. the nature of the industry so uh i very much got lucky when one of my favorite studios that have a lot of people that i had kind of worked with a little bit before um which is santa monica studio had a junior writer position open um that they were effectively like headhunting for i believe they interviewed a number of people but i don't think it was publicly listed at mm. that point which is obviously massively beneficial as well so mm -hmm. um i went for that interviewed with a million people sent all my samples and screenplays and short stories and all that stuff that i had written as well as some scripts that i had written for other studios and uh here i am that's Damn. the short version uh for me the <laughs> it looks like the through line has just been you knew what you wanted to do and you just fucking level ground to get to that point pretty like, much just like yeah like uh even you know telling like when you're going to rooster teeth like this is what i want i think that's actually very uh impressive and important uh that you know you you knew exactly what you kind of wanted to go for yeah it and makes what it kind of tough to, to give people advice sometimes though because like i just always knew 
Um, so sure. it was very easy for me to map out the path to be like, here's what I think I need to do exactly to get to this thing. Whereas I know a lot mm-hmm. of people like don't have that luxury. So people are like, I want to work in the games industry, but I don't know what I want to do. I'm like, we well, got to figure that out first. Otherwise, I do not know how to help you. Yeah, I think a lot of people just sort of generalize. Like, I know I want to do something related to this, but it's like, do you know exactly what you want to do? That can be what totally uh, is an obstacle for people. Totally. Um, I mean, how did you get started in voice acting, if you don't mind me asking? Voice acting for me, uh, I mean, I I knew from like high school I wanted to do it. So uh, I don't know how familiar you are with my online background, but the the long story short is basically i started a tumblr <laughs> back nice. in like 20 20 12 2013 uh and i was this was right fresh out of college i was like i want to get into voice acting i have no idea how to do that but i know the only way to do it is to start practicing and getting better so i made i made that tumblr with the intention of doing one audio post a day and i did that for Whoa. like 4 or 5 years no way uh no, not stopping. Literally every day. Wow. I never, I, I never uh, took a break. Uh, that eventually helped not only me to get better, but it built up an audience. This was before, you know, at the time nobody knew who I was, and then it just kind of grew from there. So that, it, I mean, there that's was not no- that dissimilar, right? Like you knew exactly what you wanted to do, and you had an action plan for several years to do it. Yeah, I mean, action plan is generous because I was like, <laughs> I was like, I still have no fucking idea. But what I've realized is a lot of the, the this industry is just making the connections and networking and getting yeah. people to know who you are. Absolutely. So even if at the time I didn't know I was on the right track, a lot of people were also doing similar things to me, like, you know, making stuff online, like showcasing their talent, like, you know, uh, so for me, it was just. Making, ma- practicing, making stuff, putting it out there. Because before then, I I would work on stuff, but I I wouldn't have the discipline. I'd be like, ah, oh, but mm. nobody's watching this, nobody's listening. Uh, I don't feel like making another thing. I'm gonna take a break or whatever. Whereas the intention of the Tumblr was, I don't care if anybody's watching or listening or not. Just do this once a day, and you will get better. And I did exponentially. Do you ever go very... back and listen to the first stuff that you made? Oh, <laughs> I can't. I can't do it. I have trouble uh, with my my first videos too. I've never. I was never good on camera. I learned how to be good on camera, but it's not something mm, that I think any writer is ever naturally good at. Um, I don't even feel sure. like I'm that great at it now. I'm like still pretty boring. Like I get so many YouTube comments of people like, you're so low energy. I'm like, yeah, I know that I probably don't perform enough for this platform. Um, but I was but so see, bad. I like people <laughs> like that who are who don't have, feel the need to like put on a show. I know? also way prefer to watch it, but I mm. I do recognize that it is not the means to success on YouTube, which thankfully is not like a thing I'm, chasing but i'm like actively sure. aware that a good you know 70 percent of people who find my videos are going to be like wow you're really like low energy and like correct <laughs> well i oh, am yeah. i've managed that way for <laughs> so i think it's okay it's true our energy uh, is not I, dissimilar yeah i, I, I really be. don't give a shit about uh being the <laughs> whoa that guy i don't give a shit but <laughs> but it's um, funny because i've seen you do that it's just as a character as a character. Oh, yes. as a character yes. is a very different thing. That's yeah, true. But as as me, yeah, I don't care. Um Big now, same. do you remember the first the first thing you got paid to write? Like this was your first professional gig or like Yes. Um yeah. let me see if I can still find it. Uh the first so it took like I was freelancing. Oh sorry, freelancing is the wrong word. I was doing stuff for free for years um before i ever ended up getting paid for anything i don't Mm -hmm. think it's still on there um so the first thing that i got paid to write was a review for a website called game arena which um is an australian website that was run by telstra which is one of our biggest phone providers Mm. and it looks like it's disappeared from the internet unfortunately um the first Mm. one that i remember being like super proud of though was uh, a magazine in Australia. Um, I did Company of Heroes 2 review. Um, mm, and the reason okay. that I, I remember like that one feeling like a real feat was because that was the point where my grandma understood like previously. Ah, yeah, like what you, what you did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like- well, what I was trying to do at least, because like when I started, 
I had no money um, because, mm. you know, I wasn't making any money. I was doing all this stuff for free to try to build up a portfolio while I was studying at university. And I was sure. spending all of my money to fly from Brisbane, which is where I'm from, to Sydney, which is where all the gaming events are in Australia. It would be like like how San Francisco or LA are for video games, but you live somewhere mm -hmm. else in America. So like I was spending all my money on flights to make sure I was, you know, like you said, meeting people was in the room and that it is such an important part of it. Um, yeah. And so I just I had absolutely no money ever. Um, and any like freelance money that I got was going towards making sure that I could go to more events and meet more people and like get more engrossed mm. in the industry. And I had to pay rent even though I was living at home because my parents also didn't have a ton of money. So it was like, you know, I just, I just had absolutely no goddamn money. Um, and I had mm -hmm. this, this part-time job at EB games, which is just called GameStop here. I think it's, it's just, GameStop here. It's just the well same company. Now. Yeah. Um, so I was spending all that money on it as well. And like my, my family, well, like you've won awards for writing. Like you've been good at this your whole life. This is a thing that, you know, you were always really good at at school. Why is nobody paying you? And it was, it was mm. difficult for them to rationalize that I wasn't being taken advantage of, even though I was like, no, 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 I understand what mm. I have to do to make this work. My grandma yeah. did not. <laughs> she sure. was like super poor family where she had to drop out of school to get a job when she was like 15. And mm. so she's like, what do you mean? You're working for free and flying across the country to do it. This doesn't make sense. But then I got in that mm -hmm. print magazine and she was like, ah, oh, you're in the print. Yeah, I can hold it in my hands <laughs> yes. and oh, read it. Okay. The words have been now it's printed. Real. So she like just mm. understood it. And that was the moment where I was like, okay, I can, I can do this. And then my first significant paycheck was when I was about 21, because I think I started when I was like 17. It was like, the, as soon oh, wow. as I was out of high school, I was like, let's fucking go. I had the blog sure. where I was talking about games from when I was about 15 or so. Um, mm. And my first significant paycheck was I did a little bit of hosting for Xbox Australia, and I worked mm. with them for a good couple of years. And uh, I bought the first four figures statue of Darunia from Ocarina oh, yeah. of Time. Um, yeah. because it felt to me like a full circle of like, this is a game that's so like emblematic of the era that I got into video games. And then the fact that I mm. feel like I played that game and all these other games at this point in time led me to what I get to do today. So I like, yeah. I have such a sentimental look at that particular Darunia statue. Also, he's just a big cutie, you know? Yeah. Darunia is great. Cutie. Uh, do you still have, have that statue? I sure do. It is in Australia that's... though, because I have not figured out how to safely transport it here. Mm, maybe one day um and when did you make the like move over here like sort of per permanently i guess yeah so i did the first six months um was university and was again I, the same thing that i had already done so like i had to make sure i got especially good grades to be eligible for the exchange program so i was focusing on that and then transferred over for six months um on a j1 visa which is like a student visa and, mm. you know, same thing, went to games industry events, tried to meet people in the US. And then I got offered the job at IGN when I was on the J-1 visa. And so they had to refile my visa to the O-1 visa, which is what I'm on now. And that just like, like I said, took like six months. It's such a mm. terrible process. It's awful. Okay. <laughs> Takes yeah. so long. Um, and so I had to go back to Australia while I waited for about six months. So I officially moved on... Uh, it's like November 23rd, 2015. Um, okay. And I've been here ever since. Nice. Um, total pivot in topic. Excellent. But you mentioned a toy collection. Mm -hmm. So I gotta know. So what, like, when we're talking toy collection, is there like all toys or specific types of toys? What are we, what are we talking here? So when I got hired for the job at IGN, it was like, it was really everything. I'd like would just get all the video game collector's editions that I could get my hands on. Um, mm -hmm. I had a massive Dragon Ball collection that I have mostly not ported over here, which is very upsetting to me. Um, mm. I had this like huge Assassin's Creed collection, which I no longer care that much about, um, but mm. that's still at home somewhere too. Yeah, a, sure. a lot of Pokemon, a lot of Zelda. But in terms of like toy manufacturers, I didn't have any specific uh preference whereas like mm -hmm. i still have a big toy collection now but it's kind of like shifted to a different style so i mostly now have like first full figures i have a lot of the batman black and white line i have some prime one um xm studios so i tend to now go for statues rather than toys and i mm -hmm. think that's like partly because 
the more expensive pieces and I look at like the toys that I have as art at this point. Yeah. But it's yeah, also yeah. that so many action figures fall over. And when you have a lot of them and one of them falls over and the whole shelf falls and over. And they all fall over. Yeah, yeah. I just got mm-hmm. real sick of it. I got mm-hmm. sick of the dominoes. So, yeah, but it's a lot of stuff. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. I have a lot of stuff. I actually wrote it in my will that uh, if I die, my mom must prominently display the death stranding baby somewhere in her house it must be publicly visible and i hope yeah. that if i die that is on it <laughs> uh that's incredible yeah i feel uh, good about it do you have a prize like out of your collection this is like this is this is the the prize jewel of that collection hmm, there are there are a couple um i have this daniel Osham charmander which has like actual crystal in it um and, and, it's and i don't oh daniel awesome arsham let me also daniel Osham charmander um it is a beautiful piece and is absurdly expensive here you go send me the link oh um, it's pretty incredible um so a big fan of that one and mine is like a pinky color he has a white one as well um mm-hmm. so i love that thing but i i I'm really partial to some of the first full figure stuff. Like I have that King of Red Lions, which um, mm. has like waves underneath it that light up. And I just managed to rig a whole bunch of my light up collectibles to smart lighting. Uh, I did this like maybe a couple of weeks ago. So now when it hits 5 p.m., all the lights go on. So like I have the Majora's Mask statue from there, which is huge. Ooh, and now the lights okay. turn on. So everything goes yeah. on at 5 p.m and off at 2 a.m and i'm so happy with it <laughs> like every oh, time i walk shit. past and i see all the lights on it's like i've got a kirby that lights up uh that that death stranding baby lights up i have like a bioshock statue that lights up so they like all the lights just oh it's so good <laughs> but yeah so i, I all, love the they're all just lights. grouped together then yeah they're all on just like a bookshelf together mm. um, i try to theme my shelves but i don't have them scattered all throughout gotcha. the house the office that i'm in right now is mostly like god of war stuff because i spend most of my time doing santa monica studio stuff in here so a lot of god of war stuff in here um did you by any chance do a king of red lions unboxing video yes I... for ign okay. i think because <laughs> because I, I was looking looking at the statue and i see you yeah that like, makes oh. sense oh yeah okay. there i well, am how weird yeah <laughs> I was like, well, so, uh, speak of the devil. Well, uh, <laughs> that is the one. Yeah, that's the one on the shelf. I took that exact one. That is a nice. It's beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, it rules. It's gorgeous. God damn. Um, okay. So, obviously, you love games and, you know, uh, all that shit. But is there, are there, like, hobbies or interests you have that people don't necessarily know? like at first glance or are you just like putting all your because i have friends who are like they put all their chips in games which i respect you know i i respect that a bunch but i'm wondering if you have any hobbies that are like "Mm, i don't talk about this that often but Um, it's still pretty i have a lot of trouble not monetizing everything that i do which i recognize Mm -hmm. is like a part of living in california probably everything's expensive um Mm. so i well i do have other hobbies i'm still trying to reckon with putting more time into them because i have this Mm -hmm. like shitty guilt of if i do something for myself and i'm like but i should be producing content for the machine Mm. so the one thing that i feel like i speak about the least that i've been doing more often is climbing uh, I just mm. go rock climbing by myself at this point. Um, okay. Yeah, I work out all the time. Uh, that's something that is like not necessarily super interesting, but I'm a big fan of weightlifting. It's something I've been doing for years, and I definitely really enjoy it. Um, mm. Rock climbing, super rewarding. Really enjoy it. You can totally do it by yourself, even though most people probably do it with friends. So I try to like, you know, as somebody who's sitting in front of a computer all day, actually exercise where possible. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, I've been learning guitar as well. So probably the big ones. But as I, someone who has never rock climbed mm. uh, before, um, so where where are you going? Like, are you just just find a cliff? Like, what what? I don't know anything <laughs> about rock climbing. I wish I was that cool. No, it's it's their indoor climbing gym. Oh, indoor, that, okay, indoor rock climbing. Yeah, okay, but it's okay. like it looks like what you're used to seeing kids do. Sure, but they're hard. Yeah, yeah. yeah. People get really um, good. 
Okay. Yeah, I was like, yeah, I feel like going alone. <laughs> no, that's, is, no, that's a bad that, idea. That's a bad idea. Seems like a bad idea. Okay, that makes <laughs> more sense. Again, that that to me, I'm so I know nothing about rock climbing. I feel like, like I oh, should have specified that. That's maybe on the me. The only way you can rock climb is outside, right? On but rocks. No, no you obviously. made the logical conclusion. I feel like <laughs> still your fault. Um, how? What's the highest you've climbed? Uh, in well, your rock climbing. Career. I don't know. So it's limited to the size of the gyms in terms of height. But what they do sure. is different gyms have different colors. Um, mm. So you see a rock wall and there's a bunch of reds and a bunch of purples and a bunch of blacks and a bunch of whites or whatever. They mm. Different gyms have different uh, difficulties tied to the colors. So like I feel like it's really oh. common that red is an easy one. So you can just you know go and climb it up. But when you're getting into like a purple wall, um, that is you hanging upside down. Oh and, shit, okay. Or sometimes trying to jump like an extra meter, but with just your arms. So you're like, Ooh, legs are just okay. dangling. I'm not strong enough to do that. But that's the goal is to like be able to do pull ups, but jump at the same time. Like they, they get super complicated. So it's not necessarily about the height because uh, I'm not doing the kind of rock climbing that is um, like assisted where they have you strapped in. Yeah, yeah. It's, it is free form, but it's more about the difficulty increasing based on they call them architects mm. or sometimes engineers the the puzzle builders uh who come in and like build the wall puzzles because they fully are puzzles you're like how am i gonna get sure. from this this red rock to this red rock should i move my foot there which because you're also not allowed to to touch different colors um oh, so it, okay. it's yeah and there are like people who are famous for building like very intricate or elaborate puzzles and sometimes like a cool thing about going to a climbing gym is watching other people figure it out like it's kind of like a collective puzzle thing and you're like oh that's how they got over there interesting i'm gonna try that and see if i can do it so, so pretty elaborate this is actually fascinating to me so okay so you're saying there's like red rocks are like is it like oh this wall has all red rock footholds and you climb up that or are they all mixed up they're you always you mixed but you can only so touch like the if red. you're Okay, so it's like a whole jumble of holds, mm -hmm. but if you're doing red, you can only grab red. Correct. And if you're doing purple, oh. Yeah, yeah. and some of the, like, the harder ones, the grips they give you, you couldn't even fit your whole hand over it. It's just like your fingertips. Jesus, yeah. okay. So the people who are really good at it, like, start doing in their spare time, like, hand strengthening exercises to make sure that their hands are strong enough for them to be able to grip. And I usually, when I go, I have to stop at the point where uh, my hands get weak because mm. they've just given up before anything else. It's like my hands just turn to jelly and I'm like, I can't grip anything anymore. And, and that depends on like, obviously the amount of, of runs you're doing at any given time. But that's the point where it's like, my hands just can't take it. That quits before anything else. So what is the highest difficulty you've done? I'm like third from the hardest. And and I'll okay. I'll get there, but it's like it's definitely upper body strength is what's holding me back at this point. And there's definitely and always a little bit of fear too when you're doing the harder runs and you can feel your arms like turning to jelly, and you're like, even mm. if it's not far to fall, you totally will get scared of falling. Mm. Get there. even though you're like, well, because you're what wearing like a harness thing, or you're not even wearing a harness. Not wearing a harness. No, usually not nothing like no helmets or anything they just you you have uh climbing shoes which are shoes that have hard tips and little points on the end uh -huh. um and you'll usually have a chalk bag so you can put chalk on your hands so that you're a little bit more grippy so you fall it. you just fall down on a mat or something yeah still sounds terrifying to me <laughs> totally it is scary i've never seen anybody get seriously injured in any way but like it's it's totally scary Wow. Mm. Okay. I'm learning a lot about rock Nobody's climbing. Nobody's ever asked I, me any questions about it before. It's actually kind of nice. See, this is, this is the kind of shit I want to, I like learning about when, you know, because, you know, I look at a rock wall, climbing wall, and I'm like, oh yeah, it's just, you can just, Clubs I props. had no idea the, the colors yeah. were like different difficulties. That's like so interesting to me. Okay. Yeah. I feel like when huh. I figured out that there were, so some gyms will have like the expert, you know, rock wall builders come in from yeah. around the world or they'll have them in remote like this guy's from france and he built this wall like there are people who are like esteemed for making cool puzzles in rock uh, walls and people get excited to have them build a wall at their gym is there like an infamous either rock wall or rock wall gimmick that like oh like 
this type of like you said <laughs> mentioned like, the jumping move. ones or the upside down ones is there one that's like oh this is like hardcore the this ones is, like, that the toughest i shit. won't do that mm. i like will just look at and be like hell no uh there are these particular kinds of holds that are just like basically circular there's no like actual mm. place to grip your fingers in they're just big circles so it'd just be like you know mm. you holding a cylinder i find them okay. way too scary and sometimes the whole wall will just be cylinders which means you have to like grip with your hands on both sides of just a cylinder and it's so easy to slip i just Oof. i won't do them i'm out too scary damn maybe one day that damn that is that, that's sick okay <laughs> well thank you thank you for enlightening me on rock climbing i walls. got you I, didn't expect I, to do that tonight anytime yeah yeah <laughs> um now i like to give the guests the opportunity uh is there a question you'd like to ask me or a topic you'd like to bring up and if not don't worry about it but if there's anything i know that you review board games mm -hmm. and that's the thing that i don't know a whole lot about because sure. like i said before i have this like big trouble with not monetizing all of my hobbies. So okay. what do you feel like for someone who I'm very into fantasy and I, mm. I don't have a lot of time and I'm scared mm. of like, I get scared of all the board games that require me to learn the rules for four hours before playing them. What's the best okay. gateway for me to start getting into board games? And you want fantasy games in particular? I do really like fantasy. You don't need to answer with fantasy, but I'm a big fan. No, I no, this, this I like knowing what your the interests are mm -hmm. like, and you kind of veer towards that. Here's a question then: Do you are are you planning on playing these solo or like with a couple people? Or is it like you know? Let's there's different experiences, right? Group of four. Like there's one do game that want... I played not too long ago. I think it's called maybe Dead of Winter. Uh yeah yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, really enjoyed that. Really enjoyed okay. that. Not fantasy, obviously, um, but yeah. that's a game that I was playing because the person I was playing with knew the rules, so it was accessible. Whereas I'm trying to like play with myself sustainably, and that I can be the guy who brings this board game to everybody. You know? How interested are you in say like a campaign game where like you play with the same group and you play it over like I don't know, eight to ten sessions? And it's like a continuing story. My concern is the time. Okay. So you're, you want something a little, not necessarily like, more like, I can bring this out every now and then. It's not like something I have to commit to. Yeah, something uh, I can finish in, like, maybe one or two sittings. Okay. And fantasy-ish, and you don't want the rules to be super dense. Correct. Okay. Um. Well, you you mentioned Dead of Winter. Mm -hmm. Uh, I did just play... Uh, a really fun game called Forgotten Waters, which is a pirate-themed game. Um, and it's by the same publisher as Dead of Winter. And it's, it's basically a game where you and your friends are a pirate crew. Um, and you, it's like it almost, it's kind of like choose your own adventure mixed with like skill checks. You're like rolling dice to see if you, you know, can do certain things correctly. And you're trying to not die. Um, and... It, an app runs the game. It's fully voice. Oh. Uh, uh, I'm in it. <laughs> but, uh, oh, oh, convenient. Yeah, yeah but even <laughs> if I wasn't in it, it's still a really... I was like... Because I hadn't played it. You know, it, This came out maybe a couple years ago, and then they sent me a copy, but I hadn't played it. But then like all the board game... It was getting a lot of buzz. I was like, oh, shit, maybe I should check it out. And then I finally played it like a month ago. Mm. Finally. And I really enjoyed it. Like uh the so app that's one walks you through the rules it's the app that's cool pretty the app does a lot of the work for you because it's like you don't really need a lot of rule reading like a lot of it is pretty straightforward once you uh get going because it's a lot of like all right you choose this i'll choose this you choose this and then we do them and it just we roll dice and do things and cool. you get like perks so that's one that comes to mind because it's the same same publisher as Dead of Winter, mm. but much lighter. Like Dead of Winter is pretty dense. Yeah. Like, but Forgotten Waters, I think, uh, is very easy to just kind of jump into look after, up. like, yeah. So that one, that one's really good. Um, one that also comes to mind is like, you ever heard of like Zombicide? I have. Zombicide's fun. That's just classic. Rolling a bunch of dice to kill a bunch of zombies. I recommend Black Plague, which is the medieval one. Um, okay, that one is oh, very fun. Oh, forgotten what is Not... like the art is really cool. It looks it looks neat. 
yeah the what the art's really good it's just a really good overall design and i'm gonna uh, do it i'm gonna do it yeah uh yeah let me know what you think if you do play it uh is there a go-to for purchasing like I try to avoid buying things on Amazon these days if I can get it from somewhere else. Is there like a, well, a go this one's pl this one's Plaid Hat. So let's see. Do they still website. sell it I see directly? something. Oh yeah, I see Plaid Hat. Uh ooh, it's unavailable. Currently. Oh, you're right. It is. Uh, I would say maybe at your friendly local game shop. If it's not there. You know, you can, if I have to go on Amazon, you, I will. If you have to do Amazon, yeah, <laughs> I, I get that sentiment, though. Just try to buy from other people um, where I can. Yeah, this looks right. really cool. Yeah, this so there's one. The Zombicide games are solid. And if I had to do one more recommendation, um, in a similar vein, uh, you ever play Mansions of Madness? I have not. Mansions of Madness is another game that's kind of cooperative adventure. Our app runs it. Uh, this one's more like Cthulhu themed, mm -hmm. you know, so it's like kind of like horror Cthulhu. Mm -hmm. But you and your party are going through like a like either a mansion or a town, but the app, you know, runs it for you. So it tells you like put this tile down and flip this card, and um, it's it's kind of this that game in Forgotten Waters is like a nice mix of it's like almost video game adjacent, mm. but it still gives you the feel of like you know classic tabletop you know experience um because that way it really cuts down on the complexity for the yeah. players while still keeping the fun of it everything that's everything that's fun intact so we used yeah. to do these board game days at um ign and mm. uh funhouse does a couple of board game shows so i i played mm. them again i've just never been able to present one to a group which is what i love to do but I've enjoyed every board game I've played. What do you think makes a bad board game? Bad board game. First off, even before the game, bad rule books can really yeah. make the game suffer. Yeah. If um, and I've read my share of bad rule books. Do you do you know offhand how many games? Like, do you know how many games I've played in my life? A like, lot. It, I would think a lot. <laughs> take a guess. Okay, based on. The reviews, I would guess 500. More. Oh my God. I thought that was like <laughs> generous. A thousand? A thousand fifty nine as of, oh as my of the recording God. of this. Wow. Uh, I go fucking hard. Uh, clearly. Uh, yeah. So I've read a lot of bad rule books in my time. Uh, that's one. Uh, I would as say. That is in like unclear. Unclear, obtuse, yeah. not not doesn't describe the rules in a good order. Yeah, they haven't had thing. somebody edit them. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Like I think a lot of rule books, they need to just read it, like actually use the rule book into like an audience and tell see them watch them. I don't think like a lot of them test. have done that. Or yeah. pay somebody, you know, like just yeah. <laughs> there is so many, like even games that that can do that wrong that have bad UIs and be like you just you just had to pay an editor. You would have been fine. Right. They could have told you all of this. Exactly. Um, so another, uh, so a bad game. Uh, also, if the core gameplay engine uh, isn't fun on its own, which sounds obvious, but a lot of games try to go for more like, oh, it needs to be thematic, or oh, it needs to like have more complex rules. But if they burden it with too much clutter and the core of the game isn't fun on its own mm. um that can be a big detriment um if a game overstays its welcome well yeah. regardless of complexity even like the lightest party game if it's like hey you got to get 10 wins to win or something it's like i don't want to play this game for like five hours yeah like, you know, the, that can be a big yeah especially big, if it's not uh, adding obstacle. anything i mean same as video games i guess Exactly. Yeah, yeah, a lot of video game video games are filled with filler. You yeah, know? That, that can be a big problem. Um, like for me, the best games are like games that are just deeply the core mechanics are deeply satisfying. Where you're like, I don't care if I. I mean, I care if I win, but I you know even if I don't win, I'm having a the good game time. is just fun to play. It's fun to play. Take that Monopoly. Uh, yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think a lot of stuff gets burdened with either overly complex for getting the yeah. niche essence of fun and uh taking too long because i can play i'll play a long game like i've played a game that's like 
10 hours long. Mm. But if it was fun all the way through, like there have been games I played there, like it was like five hours, right? Which is not short, but we all go, oh shit, that did not feel like five, five in a good hours. way. Yeah. What's we the were, longest we had a, uh, we had a blast. <sighs> Probably like 10, 11 hours, like maybe like a through the ages. That's a mm. very long game. Um, also, another thing that some games can struggle with is scaling, where like, Oh, it plays really well with two, but I, you know, you play with four and it's a nightmare, like because it just quadruples in length and you're just waiting, uh, yeah, way too long for people's turns. Is balance a common problem? Um, like if things oh, are yeah. like you know if there are factions and things are just stacked against you, I feel like surely that's a oh that's thing that would be that's hard. definitely of that's definitely an issue in some games too. Um, I think most games are good about that, especially if they're asymmetric. Yeah. They, they know that's something people are going to look out for. Um, Do you have any pet peeves, like things that, that drive you nuts if a board game does it? One that comes to mind is if your game has a lot of, let's say there's like a turn structure to a round uh, and you don't offer like a little guide card. It's like, why not? Like, mm. there's no reason not to do that. Mm. Most games, the default courtesy is, hey, here's a little cheat sheet card for each player that just describes all your actions you can do and yeah. the the order structure of the round. So you don't have to like, wait, show, give me the rule book. What is it again? You know, you just look at the card. That It's such an easy thing to provide. And it's kind of like, you know, at this point, like the standard of most games will give you that. And if they don't, then it's got then then put it on the board or something. It's either on a cards or print it on the board itself. And if it's nowhere and you gotta look at the fucking rule book every time, I'm like, this is I don't think I've ever played anything that doesn't have that. So I can completely understand why that would feel like a missing piece. Yeah, it just there's no reason not to. Yeah. Uh so that's one pet peeve. Um again, bad rule books I mentioned can yeah. just be absolute nightmares. Yeah. Uh Otherwise, mm, I don't know. I the thing is, I, I love all games, so I'm willing to play super simple, super complex, all themes. I'll try anything. Um, but yeah, I think, like I mentioned before, it's a trap that a lot of like lighter games fall into is they overstay their welcome. Yeah, like, I'm like, this is like this is fun for like thirty minutes to an hour. But the way your game is set up, it takes like two hours and I don't want to play anymore. I think lots of uh, video games do that too. I, I wonder if like with board games, it's a thing of, well, but people won't buy it if it's not long enough. If it's only 30 minutes, it's not valuable. Do they mm, try to inflate the length? That's, I don't think so because I think the sweet spot for a short game is one of those, let's play again, let's play again. You true, know what I mean? True. Like, if it's if a game is, like, really fun and it takes about 20, 30 minutes, mm. then you're going to want to play, like, five games of it. It's a good like, point. Hey, yeah. Another round, another round, another round. If you if it takes a little too long, I think it's just an oversight in design uh, because they just don't take into account just how long it might take to actually play. Because if a game is, like, too long, but it's not interesting enough for its length, you play it and go, yeah, I'm good. I don't want to play that again. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, it's it, a good point. Um, so that can also be uh, an issue for me. But yeah, I for me the the whole the board game that's where I've put in a lot of my a lot of my uh, free points. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I play much. I play much less video games. I still will, uh, but it's it's much less than I used to. Um, do you have like a uh, crew of people that you're always playing board games with? Because that's the thing that also gets me is like, how do you consistently mm, get people to play with you? I do have a list. Yes. Uh, <laughs> people so, you call upon. Yeah, pretty much. Just like I go, I just like pull up. Hey, you want to play? You want to play? You want to play? I mean, if you're interested, uh, I don't know how interested you are. Oh, you do them remotely? But, uh, I don't no know where you live. Where do you do you live in L.A.? I live in L.A. <laughs> No, I just assumed that you didn't for whatever reason. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I live here. I mean, yeah, I'd love yeah. to try. Yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. Call well, upon me. Uh, Cool. I, I would, if you, if, for me, I love, you know, showing new people the way, you know, like yeah. the more people I can snare into, into the hobby, 
you know, the better. Uh, and what's been good for me is it's um, uh, not only enriched existing friendships, but I also meet a lot of people through it. It's a nice way to meet people. You know, like if someone's like, oh, you like games? Let's, you know, let's, let's play a game sometime. Um, that can be a lot of fun too. So yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, if you're interested, we should uh, we should play sometime. Totally. Yeah. Um. To. Now, I think that's the main thing about like if you want to introduce people to it is you have to be willing to teach them and like have them be slow and figure stuff out and whatever. Yeah. For me, I I take pride and I think I'm pretty good at breaking down the rules. Uh, I'm always the guy who has the rule book and is going through it, you know, teaching everybody. Yeah. Um, and choosing it. what I think is like is like a good game for the right group, you know. Yeah. Uh, there because games can vary so wildly in complexity that, uh, you know, you can scare people off, right? If you scare, yep. if you bring, you know, a super dense game to people who either don't have the patience or you know the willpower, you know, yeah. they're gonna be like, oh, board games, oh, they're, they're you know. They suck. You know, they're too <laughs> a miserable experience. You know, you want to make sure it's as good for everybody. That's what happens when you try to play with all your jock friends. And then they just beat you <laughs> well, up afterwards. Yeah, all my jock friends, they just uh wedging me and uh yeah. It's a yeah, real, it's a real issue. Um now kind of going back to um sort of like hobbies and that mm. sort of thing. Is there something that you are like you're interested in but you haven't actually started yet but you're like ooh, it could be fun to do blank like i, I want to make music for sure want to make music mm, yeah okay um so i've been a dj for about a decade and it's something i haven't done because of the pandemic obviously and it's like that's really fun it's just something that's very very fun it's just it's not like it's complex just mixing two tracks together but it is a good time figuring out like how to make a crowd of people have fun and what they'll dance to mm. and getting them to successfully um, and I, I would love to try my hand at, I'd probably make Synthwave. Like if you know, okay. Coda Beta, probably something like that would be the style I would go for. Um, mm. big fan of the weekend's latest album though, as well, because it, it combines Synthwave with, um, pop in a way that I feel like is super interesting. Um, okay. and that's on the list. It's like a thing that I'm like, I will do this eventually when I, so have what, what are this, you know, if we're breaking going back to kind of steps, what are the steps towards that? Like. Do you need, do you have the equipment for it? Or is that like a step you need to take or like what, uh, what are like the next couple steps towards that? So that I hobby? do have a keyboard and can play a bit of piano. Um, okay. and that certainly helps. I mean, the step mm -hmm. that I have taken is, uh, I just reached out to a friend who already makes music and was like, can you teach me how to do this? <laughs> so mm. I have done that part, which seems like a great starting point, but really I yeah. don't know. Um, I know the software and I, I can picture how it's used, but I wouldn't know the first thing about starting to make a song. Realistically, it's something that I think you can like, cause it's not like I care about doing it successfully. Right. It would just be something sure. that I want to try doing. I don't care about yeah, yeah. releasing it. Um, I feel like there's probably surely a bunch of helpful YouTube videos about it. Surely. Mm. So you get the software, but then I don't know how licensing even works for like how you get the beats. Do you have to, you know, pay to buy a music pack. Like I have no concept of how any of it works. So I feel like it's mm. probably not that inaccessible. It's something that I think you can figure out with the right amount of research. Um, but yes, my beginning yeah. step was just asking a friend like, Hey, can we try doing this? I want to give it a shot. It seems like a thing I would find fun. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Eventually. Um, yeah, that, a lot of, a lot of hobbies. It's just, you dip your toes and then you realize, Oh wow. Like, there are a lot of resources out there, you know, for this that you didn't even think about, right? Or the level of, like, the community that can, like, provide those things for you. Um, that yeah. was me with board games. Like, I had no idea how many games... I had no idea there was, like, a thousand plus board games or whatever. Like, I was like, oh, there's Monopoly and shit, right? But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, when did you stop playing yeah. then? I started playing... Oh, God. Um... I think I started seriously, quote unquote, seriously playing maybe like 2016. Um, like my introduction to it was a, a game called Forbidden Island. And that was, I bought that at Otakon. Uh, that was like God, 2012, 2011, like a long okay. time yeah, ago. Yeah, that is a while ago. Um, right. And then that's how I discovered, oh, there's like more games that 
are more complex. And then uh, that, and then people started giving me games as gifts because they knew I liked games. And then it, it, that sparked the okay, now I'm collecting. And I'm a big collector. I I love collecting shit. So uh, it it like worked hand in hand. I'm like, oh, I can collect these and try new things, and I can play them and. It just kind of I just went out of a fucking black hole um, from there. Hell yeah, yeah, it's cool. Um, That's something like a hobby that you stuck to for a really long time. Then it's awesome. Like I, I don't know, I just play a lot of video games, man. <laughs> just be out there yeah, playing I'm, a lot of video games. So on on that note, then so for video games, uh, very basic question, mm. but top what what are like your top just top three? So I I I really had to come to terms with myself in the last 12 months and accept the okay. fact that even though I say my favorite game is Deadly Premonition, mm-hmm. um, it's actually Doom 1993. The first oh, Doom. okay. I love it so much. I think it's incredible. And I, that's the, the game that I would play forever if given the option. Um, okay. Big fan. Deadly Premonition has been knocked to number two. And I again, mm. I just need to reckon with this change in identity that i'm going through right now um if you don't know deadly premonition it is a pretty much a cult classic it either got zero out of ten or ten out of ten um from swerve i've heard it described as like um twin peaksy right twin is that an accurate very twin peaksy yeah yeah i've I've heard of it i want to play it i just haven't played it yet it's wonderful um Mm. yeah definitely highly recommend it and um well, no, I don't, though. That's the problem. Because I don't recommend it to everybody <laughs> because it's terrible. Like, the gameplay yeah. is not good. And there are definitely, like, conflicting views about if the game is well-written or not. Um, and mm-hmm. I argue that it is. It's just that the characters are all very bizarre, which I think is Twin Peaksy, right? That's what's Twin Peaksy about it. Sure. Um, it's a murder mystery that is just bonkers, unpredictable and you get so engrossed in who all these bizarre people in this weird town are and which one of them did it and it's very hard Mm -hmm. to guess um i'm making some friends play through it right now and it's a very good weird time and i put it up there just because like i'm so enthusiastic about the way that that story unfolds it's so much fun Mm. um and outside of that i'm very partial to just like batman arkham asylum i feel like that's a basic pick i just love that game um okay Pretty much any Pokemon, but Pokemon Yellow is the one that I pick for nostalgia reasons. Sure. I love Banjo-Kazooie. Um, I'm a big fan of the original Wasteland. Um, and then mm-hmm. most okay. of the spinoffs of that, like up until Fallout 3 and, and New Vegas. I love all of those. Um, mm. And I spent a lot of time playing Guild Wars 2 and Neverwinter before I realized that uh, I get way too addicted to MMOs. And so now I just, I cannot Mm, gotta be away cold, from them. cold turkey since then yeah i can't touch them it will ruin my life same as minecraft mm. if i if i stop playing minecraft again i can never stop playing minecraft so i have to just be like i need to accept i am not built for these and i must stop as someone who has never played minecraft what for you is the addicting factor in it what makes you like i can't stop um it's it's the the creativity of it really is uh, I come up with a thing that I want to build and mm. I always do it in survival mode and then okay. I will not finish until I've built that thing. But then while mm. I'm building the huge thing, I will get ideas for other things to build. <laughs> mm, um, okay. So it, it's just like, you know, you have this sandbox, that you can make whatever you want and you just keep wanting to do it. Uh, I find that so hard to step away from. Be like, ooh, this thing. What is the most elaborate thing you like the your crowning achievement in that game? Like, I made this. Uh, it wasn't very good, but one of the first things that I built was an underwater house, which was very difficult in survival mode because anytime you want to expand, you can drown. Um, oh, so that okay. was definitely a tough one, but it was really fun. Mm. But then the one that I I was the most proud of was actually a giant tree. So I had built just. Got a ton of wood, built this huge tall tree, and then I started planting other trees attached to the tree. So you just have to get a dirt block and then a sapling, and you can Mm. put a tree really anywhere as long as the dirt block is attached to something. So the tree had a bunch of actual trees growing off of it that I hadn't built. So it was like this huge natural looking house with a Mm. hollow structure on the inside. It was massive. Um, And that is the last time that I played Minecraft because somebody somehow 
figured out uh, the server and came in and burned it down. Oh. And I had maybe like a hundred hours on that tree. Oh, fuck. Yeah, and we don't even know who it was. Like, it was devastating. <laughs> still yeah, still I, hurts. Yeah, no, I feel that's like me when I am... Um... I lost, uh, or when I, every time I lose game data, like, like I recently lost all my save data on my prized Mario Party 3 and 64 oh, cartridge. No. All the, I had to unlock all the maps again. It was Harsh. horrible. That um, one's kind of hard, too. I feel like it's, it's harder than that uh, one. That one you have to play through the one, the first, the one player mode again. And ugh, it yeah. It's a hassle. Um, you hate to see it. Or uh, my Pokemon Crystal cartridge, the battery died and all that was gone. That no! Was, that, was, that was very painful as well. I had a but. corrupted uh, Pokemon save. It was like 200 hours in one time. <sighs> very upsetting stuff. I, I had, when I was a oh, kid, was mm. playing through Mario Tennis on the 64. And I wasn't very good at it because I was very young. Mm. And uh, I was one tennis match away from the final and this kid whose name is brayden i know his mm. name because this was so fundamental to me came yeah. over and deleted my save file i think by mm. accident he was like <sighs> one of my mom's friend's sons and he deleted yeah. my mario tennis save file i never touched that game again dead what to if me. it I was, was so upset. what if it was what if it was brayden who burned on your tree it brayden probably was this, i feel like he, he's my super villain origin story <laughs> this yeah. kid named brayden this this malevolent force in your life. Every, every bad video game thing that's happened to you. He's always is, there. Is the result of a brain. And, God damn um, him. Yeah. I, man, I, going back to Deadly Premonition, uh, is there, they ported that, right? On Yeah, you can play it on Switch. Switch? Yeah, that's okay. the uh, director's cut, which has some extra okay. content and supposedly like makes things I would actually say a little bit more confusing, funnily enough. Um, mm. The game is like almost simpler originally, but yeah, it and it runs pretty well. Like there's there's issues with the old PC port that like it runs like absolute garbage, uh, whereas the director's cut runs a bit better. It also makes the combat easier because supposedly Swarry didn't even want combat to be in Deadly Premonition, but but they were like, mm, no, it's a video game, it's got to have combat. So mm. uh, the director's cut makes the combat easier, which works because the combat is not good. There are a lot of things in Deadly Premonition are not good. Mm. Love it to bits, though. Is the sequel any good? So the first hour of the sequel, in my opinion, is absolutely terrible. And then beyond that, perfection. Brilliant. I haven't finished it yet, though. Mm. Uh, but it, okay. it's just... The things they do in, in those games, you know, just there's so many bizarre choices that I feel like other games just won't even consider. I don't know what their pitch rooms look like or what their writers rooms look like, but just incredible. So bizarre. Is there one or should I just not know anything going? I was going to say, is there one like little thing you can an example of like. This is something about the game that is just you love about it, or is it best just um, going to a completely? I mean, big I blind? could, but I feel like anything that I would describe would not come across in a way that's as interesting as it was when watching it. Like there was this one part in Deadly Premonition Two where I think I like cried laughing because, and again, this isn't going to sound like anything when I describe it, but you go to this really bizarre shop, and mm. just for some reason in a dialogue interaction, the camera repeatedly cuts to this figure of a crocodile wearing a hat that nobody okay. addresses and it'll get closer and closer to it and then cut away from it and then cut in for no reason. There's yeah. never, nobody references it at any point whatsoever. You're just looking at this figurine of a crocodile in a hat very dramatically. And I was like, my God, just nobody else directs video games this way. I don't know why we're doing this and I love it because it's not even implied as a joke. It just happens. Yeah. Like, and it's, it's not a glitch. It was a purely intended that way. Yes. So it's all stuff so, like that that's really surprising and just very strange and... uh I don't know. I love the creativity. Interesting. Yeah. But like yeah, I said, I, you got to experience it to understand. No, it's one of those games, the reputation alone. I'm like, yeah, I'm ready for like, I haven't even seen like, you know, Twin Peaks. Right. But that's no, that's the I thing where it. I'm like, I, I should watch it at some point. Yeah. Just to experience, you know, the just the 
the bizarre nature of it. You it's know, funny. So. Like we've had this conversation where we've both been like, yeah, like Twin Peaks. Um, and I, people always say that to me when I bring up Deadly Premonition or I offer that up. And it's mm-hmm. funny that we both know what that is, despite not seeing it. Like I understand yeah, yeah. tonally what Twin Peaks is. I've never seen it. Yeah. But we get what I've, it means. I, I, yeah. As soon as someone says it's like that, I'm like, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. I, I, I get it. Got it. Yeah. It's impressive. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, this has been great. Thank you very much for uh, shooting the shit. Yeah, um, thanks for having me. So, yeah, uh, uh, before we uh, finish up, is uh, where can where can people find you? First, I would like to apologize because my Alexa went off halfway through this, um, so it'll probably pick that up on my microphone, but maybe it didn't on Discord. Apologies for that. Um, oh, okay. Second, you can find me on the internet pretty much everywhere at Charalanazad. It is my name in the middle of Charizard. Nobody knows how to spell it. That's okay. Uh, but I don't know. I do all types of content creation. I have a bunch of podcasts. I do a lot of charity streams. And um, yeah, that's it. Nice. Uh, and uh, yeah, I guess uh, we, we could both plug uh, God of War Ragnarok. Yeah, check that some, out yeah. when it comes yeah, out. Which we are both involved in At in some capacity. Date. An unknown date, right? <laughs> but yeah, check that out whenever that comes out. Who knows? But, uh, yeah, anyway. Are you even thank allowed you to talk about which character mm- you are? Oh yeah, I I uh, I am Red Tusker. Okay. Yes, I I was allowed to say that much. Yes, but not much else beyond that. Okay, I will also not <laughs> yeah. comment other than to say con- confirmed. Yes, <laughs> confirmed. Yes. Great. Okay. Good. I'm glad to know I'm not replaced. Uh, <laughs> all right. Thank you. Cool. Bye.